This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Fingertech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out Fingertech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. Fingertech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. From the parking lot of the Four Seasons Total Landscaping, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. I also would like to point out, as a person that works in Philadelphia all the time, the Four Seasons does not have an outdoor parking lot. The real one. And today on another special birthday edition of the podcast, our interview with Jackpot Captain Jeff Waters and team member Robert Sten. Kyle turned 38 this week, so happy birthday to you, Kyle. Oh, thanks, guys. I appreciate that. <laughs> also, we're kicking off our new bot guide this week, previewing six new rookies, Aegis, Adam94, Axolotl, Black Widow, Chomp, and Claw Viper. As always, we'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Behind the Bots. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Thank you. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have eight news items for you today. First up, BattleBots this week published team photos and team rosters on BattleBots.com, giving us our most complete look yet at who's in and who's out of the competition this season. I want to start with two big surprises. Bronco and Son of Wayachi are both in. Team Wayachi had previously said they plan to retire Son of Wayachi, a legacy bot that remains incredibly popular with fans, but one that struggled to keep pace with modern bots. As you recall, in Sao's final match of the 2019 season, Sawblaze sliced through Sao's tri-bar arms. Meanwhile, Bronco ended 2019 with its worst record yet, going 0-4. While never confirmed, it was rumored that team captains Xander Rose and Reason Bradley were going back to the drawing board and designing a new robot from the ground up. By our count, there are 22 brand-new, never-before-seen robots at this year's competition. We'll tell you more about those new robots over the next four weeks in our new bot guide. Kyle, Chris, Lindsay, uh, thoughts on seeing the roster uh, this week? Um, this is like probably the the biggest milestone before the the premiere of the show because we get to see who changed teams, kind of like the first look at um, like really detailed looks at the bots themselves. Um, take a look at sponsors, you know that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it was it was a pretty pretty big week. Huge week. I'd also like to. Um commend you sir for getting full-on data junkie and putting out all of that fantastic information on the behind the bots page for everybody to dive into um you really did parse out some excellent data for people to analyze and you started some great conversations so thank you so much for doing that i really appreciate it luke 
The most interesting thing is people love seeing the map of where the teams are. I feel like that's consistently our most popular kind of data um, driven post of the year. Um, people are always really surprised when they find out that they live 10 minutes away from a BattleBots builder um, or, you know, that where they thought, oh, I live in the Midwest and there's nobody near me, but like actually there is. And it makes them root for their hometown team. Um, I really wish that BattleBots um, would connect fans with builders who are close to them versus kind of builders having to do it organically um, because people really do care about the robot that's down the street from them. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really cool. Um, like for, for that sake, I'm really happy to see so many New York robots this year, right? Like how neat is that? It's big. Yeah, it's really big. We need to get a Hudson Valley robot. So either we're going to have to build a BattleBot ourselves or we're going to have to find somebody who can, you know, maybe, uh, maybe your cousin, Chris. Yeah. As long as it, it's, it's safe and, and legal to submit a heavyweight battle bot made entirely out of Legos. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, it's non-organic material. That should be fine. I think wow. we'll just glue the pieces together. Like he used to. <laughs> are you, are you, are you dredging up, uh, you know, grudges from the late eighties, early nineties, Chris? No. <laughs> Grow up. I'm just imagining Tombstone's bar breaking, hitting your robot, and you being like, that's right, Elmer's. <laughs> On over to veteran teams Beta, Icewave, and Sawblaze, each of whom published photos from their machine shops, showing new components they built for the competition this year. Beta got a ground-up redesign this season and showed off its custom drive gears, hammer arms, and other parts. Sablaze machined a new support for their harmonic planetary gearboxes, fixing a component that jammed in its match last season against Tombstone. On over to Indianapolis, where the team behind the new rookie bot Deadlift showed off their most complete look at their new lifter bot to date. Deadlift is a very cool looking black and white. Ooh, black and white, nothing. I didn't write that. Let's see. <clears throat> On over to Indianapolis, where the team behind the new rookie bot Deadlift showed off their most complete look at their new lifter bot to date. Deadlift is a very cool looking black and white bot with protected lifting forks. I've been a big fan of this team's works and seeing them at Motorama, where they brought five robots to the competition, Roundhouse, Crosshit, Impact, Botseps, and Lockout. Deadlift looks super clean. I'm really digging this team's aesthetic. Um, Kyle, thoughts on, uh, on seeing Deadlift this week? Do you remember being at Motorama and we saw them kind of like gathered around for the first fight that we saw over in the 30 pound arena? And uh, I think it was Lindsay who was like, who's the Cobra Kai team? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was like total, like even at that, you know, like regional event where it's not televised, they were totally like in team gear. They looked cohesive. They looked like, they looked like a team to watch. And you know what? They were at that competition. They did a great job. They've got some really good looking bots. Um, I'm super pumped to see this team. And I love the fact that they already have come into this thing like themed out. You know what I mean? O on a theme that they have worked on for a while. Yeah. I remember at one point looking over and they just formed an eight person human pyramid with like <laughs> one person standing on their you know hands at the very top. It was very impressive. Yeah. I must have been at the three pound arena for that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah they uh they're they they're they're awfully uh fit you know for uh for robot builders you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> they go to the gym multiple times a, a week. So, uh, yeah. You know, the, the, the thing I really like about them is that they've been really quiet this season, but in the Midwest, they organize a pretty big combat robotics event every year, um, based around their alma mater. And, um, and they, they've been real building Comet robots for a really long time. It's just like one of those events that just isn't really on like the kind of coastal radar that, that we hear about so much. Um, but it's, it's a really, really big event for, um, for the Chicago area. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Speaking of new bots, we got new video this week of Needle an innovative little mini bot from the team behind Tracer that's designed to lift hundreds of pounds using a cam lifter. Instead of scooping up a robot and picking it up like a traditional lifter, Needle has two long forks that sit flush with the floor and rotate in place to get their opponent's wheels off the floor. This rotating motion means Needle can exert a huge amount of torque without risking the arms being damaged while they're in the air. Team Captain Jason Woods says each fork is capable of lifting more than 500 pounds each. On over to Massachusetts, where Team Valkyrie says they're bringing a new undercutter blade to the competition. This, <clears throat> let me try again. On over to Massachusetts, where Team Valkyrie says they're bringing a new undercutter blade to the competition this year called Glory. Glory has a tri-tip design, weighs 65 pounds. It was designed using generative principles, just like the team's other blades. I reached out to the team to ask, and they said Glory has a longer reach than its siblings and was designed for use against horizontal disc spinners. On over to Houston, Texas, where the team behind... <laughs> What? <laughs> oh, oh, it's Houston. Yeah, because it's Houston, because, you know, Texas. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Chris, you're so weird, and I'm delighted by that, and I appreciate that, all right? Kyle, this, this is my brother-in-law, all right? <laughs> um, <clears throat> on over to Houston, Texas, where the team behind War EZ is busy destroying various household items with their vertical disc spinner. On Instagram, team captain Jonathan Juarez attacked a plywood box, a TV, and dorm room-sized refrigerator. The refrigerator video is arguably the most impressive as War EZ splits the refrigerator's door in half on impact. Two exciting updates now from the world of BattleBots announcer Farouk Tahid. BattleBots this week launched a new t-shirt and poster featuring Farouk. Posters are $25 each, while t-shirts are $30 each. Elsewhere on the internet, the good people of Robot Wars shunt posting have built a ringtone where Farouk repeatedly shouts, It's cell phone answering time! Wait, I should try, <laughs> I should try that again. That was terrible. It's cell phone... I can't do it. <laughs> it's cell phone answering time! We gotta leave the, uh, the Farouking to the Farouk. And finally, we want to close out this week's news with a delightful little Easter egg from the BattleBots.com team page for New York-based Smee. According to the team, the Empire State Building is exactly 100 Smees tall, which should give you some sense of exactly how long this very long bot is. We did the math, and it checks out. A single Smee measures a little over 14 feet long, 
while the Empire State Building measures 1,454 feet tall. Before we get into our interview with Jeff, let's introduce this year's new bot preview. Yay, ba 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 bow. Uh, every week for the next four weeks, we're going to introduce you to a handful of new bots just in time for the season premiere in early December. Um, our, I feel like uh, the new bot preview is like my favorite time of the year. I love it. I feel like we we are training for this moment, uh, you know, in the entire off season, kind of gathering information and it kind of culminates in in the next four weeks, which is pretty great. Um, so I want to start off, we're just going to do this alphabetically. We're going to do six, six bots today. Um, so first up, let's, uh, let's talk Aegis. So Aegis is an Indiana-based team anchored by recent mechanical engineering graduates, Chris Sparzo and Andrew Godfrey. Chris and Andrew both studied engineering at Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. Chris works as an engineer at Northrop Grumman, while Andrew became a mobile app developer making mobile games. The team previously built an ultra-energy-efficient vehicle for the Shell Eco-Marathon competition in 2019. Their bot, Aegis, is a four-wheeled pneumatic flipper that's covered in a yellow Kevlar shell. The design is low to the ground with an incredibly wide flipping arm. And in their application video, the team said their bot would likely top out at seven miles per hour with a flipping arm that's capable of exerting 6,000 pounds of force. In Greek mythology, the Aegis was a shield carried into battle by Athena and Zeus. And uh, so they are kind of pulling in um, inspiration from, uh, from Greek and, and Roman mythology for their, their bot's aesthetic. Um, I know that we've talked a little bit about this Kevlar covered bot. I'm really interested in kind of hearing your thoughts on, uh, on this flipper from Indiana. I a little bit like a Roman uh, style pizza oven. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Um, I love the idea. I'm very curious to see how it will work. Um, it is so low to the ground. It makes me think that it's basically one of the BattleBots floor flippers, but it can roll. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm very nervous to see what happens if this bot has to go up against an undercutter. I think that that is going to be the real test of uh, Kevlar as an armor type. Or I guess it's not even Ke- it's Kevlar and resin, right? Like they had to solid like make it solid, so it's Kevlar and resin, right? Um, but I think against verts, this might be uh, an interesting design just because the shape of that wedge, you know, the verts aren't going to be able to kind of dig into it. And by the time they even start, they're going to get flipped off, hopefully. Um, I'm very interested. I love experiments. I love, you know, saying, hey, this works on paper. Let's see if it works in real life. And uh, I can't wait to see what this team does. I mean, if anything, they're going to learn a lot from this season. And I'm really excited to see what comes of that. Hmm. Seems like a good season for them to get started now that there's a new floor, considering how how low to the ground it actually is. Good call. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, I they they describe their their Kevlar um, armor as as basically disposable, and that they would be capable of pouring a new set of armor within a day if they're first set was was damaged um you know when when i look at it and i haven't talked to the team yet so this is absolutely like an an uneducated opinion but it kind of seems like 
like they wanted to build a speed bump where it's like, oh, you know, the opponent's going to drive up on top of my bot and then I'm going to like launch the whole top of the bot and and have this, you know, the opponent go flying into the air. Like their design really kind of requires the opponent to get up onto the top of the bot for it to really be effective because it doesn't really have any reach. And um, I think the challenge with that is, um, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at pretty good drivers, you know, at this point in the year 2020 um, and drivers are able to, to keep their distance and, um, and really just kind of attack, attack this spot, especially if it's, it's, if it tops out at seven miles per hour, you know, conceivably you may be able to get kind of a juicy piece of, uh, of this, this shell. Next, let's talk Adam 94. This is the first of four international teams competing this season like Aegis, this is a team made up of recent electrical and computer engineering grads, most of whom just completed their graduate studies at the University of Calgary in Canada. The team is being billed as the first team from India to compete on BattleBots, which is technically true. On their uniforms, the team is flying both Indian and Canadian flags. India, as you know, is still kind of the Wild West for combat robotics. There's a bunch of teams. Safety standards can be lax. And Autovolts is really the first team to step out on the big stage and earn a spot at BattleBots. Adam94 is running an 80-pound vertical Drisk, half disc, half drum, a design that looks vaguely like Witch Doctor or Hypershock. It's a very large, very heavy weapon made using generative design software. That said, Adam94 is also running just two wheels, with no self-writing mechanism and four very exposed weapons belts. Uh, so I'd love to get your thoughts on uh, on this new rookie team out of Canada slash India. This is a very classic Indian combat robotics design. Okay. Um, so India is all about the vertical spinners and specifically the drisks. Um, if you watch an Indian competition there, you're going to see a lot of drums and drisks. Um, it, this is obviously got some really good engineering thought behind it. Those, uh, kind of hinged wedgelets at the front are very smart. I like the way that they are built. Um, I do have some questions about the belt placement as well as the lack of kind of cover for the belts. Mm. Um, you know, like, it's great that they have so many redundancies, but then again, so does Minotaur, and you can't see Minotaur's belts. Right. Um, they're hidden in that little compartment on the side. This is just wide out in the open. And, yeah. you know, weapon-to-weapon -weapon hits are going to be real scary, especially when you're going up against a vertical bar or a vertical... Um, yeah, just a vertical bar, a vertical disc spinner. This is going to be really frightening for that team. Uh, that's the only design choice here that, that stands out to me. And obviously, they, you know, they got a powerful weapon. What did you say that thing was? 80 pounds? That's the max, right? It's the max, yeah. They, wow. they, pushed, they pushed it all the way up to the top. So it's mostly weapon, not a lot of armor, obviously not a lot of wheels. Um and you know, like not even not even a five pound like uh, belt cover for for the weapon. Well, I mean, it's a it makes her a very attractive lure for other vertical spinners to try to go head to head with them. All you have to do is win three of those confrontations, and you're in the finals. That's valid. I I, I would guess that the producers would um, put this bot against a hammer. 
to like a shatter or a chomp and just kind of see um, what what happens. Um, the the exposed belts there it's it's an interesting design choice. You know, I, I asked the team about that um, earlier today. They said that they're running four belts because their weapon is so heavy that they really just kind of need that extra surface area to get it up to speed quickly. And um, you know, now in the off season, they're going to kind of reevaluate whether um, whether that was a smart choice or not to kind of go <laughs> with exposed belts. They obviously didn't say anything to to violate their NDA, but they were like, you know, it's it's one of the things that we're we're taking a look at now that, uh, that now that we have the bot back home. That's I wonder. Awesome. I, uh, I wonder if the generative design in the weapons will uh, give it any type of advantage over like a, a witch doctor or a hypershock. Like, I wonder, I wonder, you know, how, how that pans out for them in, in battle and combat. That's an interesting I, point. I mean, it's basically pitting like experience against computer algorithms, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I will say that they, they did give me one fact that, um, kind of, I don't know what was surprising. Um, so they said that their weapon has a diameter of 75 inches, which is like six feet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I was like, is that, did I get that right? Like 75 inches or did they type that correctly? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a weapon that's considerably larger than it looks. Um, so, you know, kind of, falling into the the deep six camp of like mostly weapon going to attack you hopefully i i kill you on our first kind of like impact and go back to the pits and uh, you know with a with a winner's chip and uh, i'm replacing belts here and there you know what i mean i mean i'm looking at their picture on the battlebots page right now and uh it doesn't look like six feet right 75 inches yeah it is not no it's big it's a big 75 centimeters. I don't know. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely not six feet. I mean, there's a foot right next to it and they're about the same size. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the paint job though. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's very Very, cool. Very Guy Fieri meets like blue wave. I, I don't I don't know if I'd ever paint, you know, flames on the side of my bot just because um my bot catching fire would be like my worst nightmare. But uh, you know, I don't know. I feel like you're kind of tempting fate. Yeah, I do want to see a tag team match now uh with them and uh Gigabyte. Yes, right. <laughs> Keeping with the student theme, next up is Axolotl. This is a late entry to the 2020 season built by a group of 11 high school and college students who met through the VEX World Championship Robotics Competition. Team Captain Alan Belkin is based in Southern California, but the team is spread out across the country with members in Maryland, Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, and New Jersey. Their origin story is remarkably similar to Team Bots and Stuff, which started as a group of friends from across the country that competed also at the VEX World Championship. Today, Bots and Stuff runs the ultra-scary overhead bar spinner Bloodsport. Axolotl is a vertical drum spinner with a pretty wide stance and four big wedgelets on the front. The outer two are long, while the inner two are short. It appears the goal is to scoop opponents up and feed them into the drum, tossing the other robot in the air. Cosmetically, it's a super cute pink robot with a little cartoon axolotl mascot. What is there not to love? Thoughts on this design? I love it. I love everything about it. 
I want this team to do very, very well. It looks like it's an easy robot to work on. The uh, little keep the weapon from hitting the ground when it's upside down sticks are amazing. Um, yeah, it's super cute. I don't have any real questions about the efficacy of the design. I do um, question giving send cut send so much space on the robot when they only gave you a 10% discount. Oh, shade. shade. <laughs> that's, that's all right. Send cut send is like on half of the bots in the fields uh, this this year. Like they went hard on Battle Bots as a sponsor, and you're you're telling me that most of the teams just ten percent off. I mean, like is that no is that no? Thing? I'm saying I read this team's uh, uh, Facebook or no Instagram page earlier today, and they mentioned oh. in one of the posts that Send Cut Send was kind enough to give them a ten percent discount for their sponsorship. Oh my god! Oh my Which, god! Act a lot. I mean, I mean, it, yeah, it's a lot of space on your robot for 10%. <laughs> That's, That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, my favorite thing about this team is that their favorite tool is the cordless hot glue gun. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> uh, and you really can't knock that. I love it. Superior to the corded hot glue gun. I mean, obviously, what what are we in the uh, the nineteen eighties? You know, trying to bedazzle jeans. Who wants to be tied down by a cord when you are wielding that hot glue gun? No, <laughs> you want to roam free. I, I appreciate that. What what? Okay, tell tell me the truth. Of the four of us, who has used the hot glue gun most recently, and for what? I used a hot glue gun yesterday. No, you did not. For oh. what? Were you bedazzling jeans, Kyle? I was not bedazzling jeans. No, I was they doing it. They were jorts. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was doing a. I was doing an installation at a client's house, and they needed a, a motion sensor installed in a corner, and um, there was no way to use the. Uh, the connection method that came with it. So I had to improvise. And one of the ways I improvised was by hot gluing something onto the back of said motion sensor. So there you Is go. That permanent? Is that permanent or like in the spring when you uh, go to wash that thing, you know, is it going to, the jewels are just going to come straight off, you know? Uh, it'll be fine. Yeah, it'll <laughs> be fine. We, uh, we used one recently uh, when we were building Chris's uh, uh, DM screen for uh, the D&D games. We used to actually host at our house back when you could do that. Um, and we were building this pretty sweet castle wall uh, structure, and we used the hot glue gun for that. And uh, I kept thinking to myself, wow, I, I hate being tied down to this table. If only I could roam around with it. So you all should check out my Kickstarter for my brand new invention, the cold glue gun. <laughs> <laughs> How's that work? It goes on icy cold. <laughs> and then when it gets to room temperature, uh, solid. <laughs> Next up, let's talk about Black Widow. This is a family team from central New York who live in a little town near Utica. This is a roughly two and a half hour drive from where Chris, Lindsay, and I live in the Hudson Valley. There are now four teams from New York in this year's competition, Black Widow, Pain Train, Shatter, and Smee. Black Widow is built by the Hensel family, Herrick, Sue, Brayton, Jarrett, and Kyle. 
The family seems really fun. In 2010, they made local news after constructing a 12-foot-tall snowman on a 10-foot-tall base. Their bot is a garage-built spider-inspired drum spinner with a circular body and eight legs, which are designed to keep other bots away. And just in case you need more evidence that the family's fun, apparently silly string comes out of the back of their robot to mimic a spider's thread. So what do you think? Is uh, Black Widow, you know, uh, going to bite the competition this, this season? Uh, I think that if this was a British TV show, everyone would automatically hate this robot because those keep away sticks would definitely keep it from falling into the pit. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, that's my first thought looking at it. My second thought looking at it is there's a lot of air armor, and I like that. Mm. Um, and didn't we hear from Earl that these are these are his people, his farm his fellow farm folk, fellow farmers? You know, I wasn't able to confirm that, um, but yeah, it's very possible. I mean, Central New York, um, there's there's an awful lot of farmland out there. They're in Herkimer County, uh, you know, kind of famous for Herkimer diamonds and uh, Utica. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty rural rural county. Um, and I noticed the hinge on their wedge. I think it's literally a piano hinge. Really? Yeah. Huh. That's yeah. Could be wrong, but that's what it looks like. I I, I, I always love a family team. I love a garage build. Um, I agree with you. I, I really do like like air armor as well. Um, I think aesthetically, this thing clearly looks like a spider. That's pretty awesome. Um, I know that that initially, when when we first saw photos of this, there was some speculation that maybe this is going to be a walker bot, and that these were going to be spider legs. Yeah, like everybody was saying that. Oh, this is the third walker, and I was like, no, those those don't look like walking legs. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I really like the look of this. I mean, like I I love a garage build, um, and I'm I'm really stoked to see you know if this thing has zip, and um, and really, you know, if this if this drum packs packs a punch, yeah, for sure, this is going to be a lot of fun. All right, let's head up to Seattle to talk Claw Viper. Team captain Kevin Milchewski grew up literally one town over from me here in the Hudson Valley, but moved across the country to take a software engineering job at Amazon. Last season, he competed on BattleBots with Warhawk, but is striking out on his own to build Claw Viper, a snake-themed grappler bot. He's assembled a classic BattleBots team with teammates who build insect weight robots and who know their way around in the pits. Teammate Brian Adamson competes with insect weights K2TOO, not to be confused with two-time BuggleBots champion K2, Honorable Mention and War Squawk, and Featherweights Hard Pass and Unsubscribed. Claw Viper is a classic grappler bot with a clamping arm and a lifting mechanism designed to pick up its opponent and suplex them overhead. Thoughts on Claw Viper? Claw Viper is super well built. He's a very smart robot. Um, I do think it's super interesting that the top grabber is UHMW. Um, that is the one thing about this bot that I was like, huh, that's a choice. Um, I'm very interested to see how it performs. Obviously, we've seen UHMW do really, really well in heavyweight competitions in the past, but not necessarily as part of an active weapon scheme. Hmm. Do you think it's maybe like a weight thing? Oh, yes, very much so. Hmm. Um, but I mean, like, also, they need that to kind of hold the bot in place while the lifter does the lifting. Yeah. 
it didn't need to be too crazy heavy. Um, but yeah, they mentioned that it was like when they shared that they had gotten these cut, uh, they mentioned that it was part, partly because of weight. Huh. That's interesting. Generally, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on suplex bots. I mean, like um, Slamo is going to obviously be like, you know, like put suplex bots on the, the map for 2020. Don't forget you know. about the big deal. Yeah, the big deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're, we're seeing a lot of new suplex spots this season. Um, you know, like, is that a coincidence? Like, um, you know, are, are suplex spots like seeing success in the lower weight classes? Like, how, how come we're seeing so many this, this year? I think because we saw, all right, I think it, it has a lot to do with the rules of what robots are allowed to come compete down at Orlando Maker Fair at, mm. you know what I mean, at uh, that competition. Um, we saw a ton of suplex bots at that competition, including an earlier version of Claw Viper and an earlier version of Big Dill. Yeah. Um, so I think that that basically because that's where the testing ground is now, and those are the kinds of bots that are allowed to be there, we're going to see a lot more suplex style, hobby weight style robots going into the future just because that's what you can play with. You know, that's what you can test out, and those are the designs you can make. Um, I love it personally. They make for interesting matches. I mean, some of the best matches we have seen in Battle Bots was season one Bite Force, even to this day, and it was a suplex bot. Um, so I'm excited about it. I think it's great. And finally, we're going to bend our own totally arbitrary rules slightly and talk about Chomp because the team is bringing a dramatically redesigned version of their robot to the competition, and they will likely be a major storyline this season. Chomp Captain Zoe Stevenson is the builder's builder, someone who BattleBots builders consistently say is one of the most interesting people in the sport today. She works as a mechanical engineer at Applied Invention, which is leading the design and build of the 10,000-year clock on behalf of the Long Now Foundation. It's basically a clock in a mountain that's designed to survive World War III and probably World Wars IV and V. We interviewed Zoe and her husband, Yasha Little, a couple months back on the show. Feel free to go back and check out that episode. They previously competed with a wheeled version of Chomp, which famously remains the only bot in BattleBots history to defeat Bite Force with a well-placed hit that immediately took out his main weapon. Zoe and Yasha went back to the drawing board in the offseason to build a 500-pound walker version of Chomp, an exceedingly difficult engineering challenge that basically involves two independent robots sitting on top of one another named Hull and Turret. This is hands down the most anticipated bot of the 2020 season, simply due to its size and technical complexity. Thoughts on the 2020 Chomp. I know that we talk about this like every other week, but I am so hyped for this bot. I love this team. Um, I, you know, like this, this is probably the, the most difficult robot, you know, uh, that I've ever seen. Um, yeah, I, I, I would love to get, get your thoughts. How I just think about this as a parent, right? They have a very young kid. The reason they didn't compete last year is because baby. Um, it's clear to say, I don't think I'm spoiling anything to say that Zoe is pregnant this season. And yet they completed the most difficult battle bots build uh, possibly ever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's some Mark Sikrakian stuff back in the day that was that you could say is more complicated than this, maybe. But I, you'd be hard pressed to make that case. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. This thing is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm stoked to see it because I think it's going to hit really hard. And, um, you know, the, the hammer design is really interesting because it's, it's difficult to prepare for a hammer. Um, you know, when, when you have hundreds of pounds of force coming down onto a single spot inside of your bot, you know, it's never great, <laughs> you know, um, there's, there's kind of like no amount of top armor that can really protect you from getting something jostled, um, <clears throat> or, you know, in the case of bite force, uh, losing, losing your weapon. Um, so, so seeing it like supersized twice as, twice as heavy, seeing this walking motion, I, I know that that's really the direction that BattleBots wants to go in. They're really trying to push the builders into to more walking designs, um, is, is really, really exciting. It's powered by air. By it walks with air and it hits with it. It's a hundred percent pneumatic. Mm. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 the the number one bot that I'm most excited about seeing this year, hands down. And um, I'm I'm hoping we can see it in the season premiere. Um, I, I I'd love to see it like literally first match, just chop like come on out and you know, show the world that there is a new era of battle bots, perhaps, um, I think would be really, really cool. I mean, it's fair to say there are bots that will definitely not even be able to push this thing around. You know, there's, I know there's some bots that put a lot of, um, a lot of their, their points, their weight points into the drive system. Like, um, Claw Viper, who we were just talking about has ridiculous drive train. They've got basically, um, weapon motors, uh, weapon motors as drive trains. Um, but, there's definitely going to be some, especially two wheeled bots that are not going to be able to move this thing. And that's going to be a really interesting dynamic to see in the box. I love looking at the photo, uh, the official photo on the website of the bot, like just its size in relation to the rest of the team. Like I, I know when people see, um, you know, heavyweights for the first time in person, they always think like, wow, it's so much bigger than it seems like it is on TV. And I feel like with Chomp, like I can't even imagine really what this thing looks like in person, like to see it with your own eyes. Um, so I'm just really excited to see, you know, what wh what it looks like, like aside from just the, the test videos and the photos here. Um, but I just take a, a special pleasure. And whenever someone online, like, tries to say something bad about it. I just love to to uh, chime in there because I, I just don't know how, what kind of person would see this and its technical feat and like have something bad to say about it. Like reevaluate re yourself because this is, this is something that is truly incredible. And I just, and, and like you said, Kyle, not only is this truly incredible, but it's like they did it while pregnant and having like raising a baby. And I, I don't know. It's just, it's incredible to me. I'm so excited. Is anyone going to mention the fact that it looks like a John Deere? Oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, it looks like something you could ride on. And uh, it, it, it could probably carve out a mountainside. You know, it does, it does look like farm equipment. And I'm into it. And that's it for this week's news and new bot preview. After the break, our interview with Jackpot Captain Jeff Waters.
this week on the podcast, we have a very special guest, Jackpot Captain Jeff Waters. Jeff is arguably the most prolific insect weight builder on the planet right now, whipping up new designs all the time that he experiments with at competitions across the country. He runs Plan B Robotics, best known for bots Off Track and Wumbo. If you've got an idea for an insect weight bot and need it designed and built quickly, Jeff can talk you through both of those challenges. Jeff's bot is Jackpot, a casino-themed heavyweight with a 60-pound dual vertical disc design. This was a 2020 sprint designed and built in under four weeks out of a garage in Las Vegas. We're looking forward to learning more about Jackpot and learning more about Jeff. So welcome back to the show, Jeff. Hey, it's great to be here. Yeah, the last time you were on, you were a team member on Team Malice, another rookie team. Um, I I am so excited to hear kind of like your story about how you went from Malice to Jackpot, kind of like the process of working with uh, with Greg and Trey to uh, to get accepted onto the show. Um, but first, I would love to like dig into your life and kind of like understand more about, uh, I guess, the man behind the bots. So can you tell me a little bit more about your life outside of combat robotics? Uh, you live in Las Vegas. Tell me more about, uh, about who you are, kind of like what you do and stuff that you do outside of the pits and, and the garage. So one of the my main hobbies outside of combat bots is I do a lot of RC racing. It's an indoor off-road carpet. I know it sounds kind of counterintuitive, indoor, off-road, and carpet. But it's mostly one-tenth scale buggy racing. I did that for about four years before I even like thought about doing combat robots. Hmm. So all in all, I've been racing RC vehicles for probably about 10 to 12 years now. Cool. I, I, I imagine that there's a lot of skills that are transferable there. I mean, like you're you're making kind of remote controlled objects and driving them pretty pretty precisely, right? Can you talk about some of the skills that uh, that that you share, like between that and and combat robotics? A lot of the skills as far as driving carry over a lot from RC to combat bots, especially in the classes I ran. In the classes I run, all the cars are usually about the same power, same specs, and same battery voltage. So it's all come down to driver skill and consistency. And that carries over a lot, especially in fast-paced robots that we're getting nowadays with the magnetic floors. Cool. Um, and you, you, you live in Las Vegas, you know, can you tell us more about, uh, about life in Las Vegas? So just to dispel, we all don't live in casinos. It's, <laughs> it's a myth. I, I live up in the Northern part of the Valley. So I'm about 10 miles away from the actual strip, but hmm. I'm regularly on the strip for work. That's about the only time I'm down there. Cool. And what do you do for work? Tell us more about your career. I am just finishing up my apprenticeship through the plumbers pipe fitters union. Cool. And so I do everything from welding, plumbing systems to doing remodel tie-ins on sewers and all that. So anything that like conveys anything we do. Got it. I imagine there's there's a lot of work for um, for pipe fitters in Vegas, you know, especially with all of the new construction and kind of complex projects that they have there. Yeah, it was uh, good. My last uh, gig, I was out at the, that new Raider Stadium that got built. I was out there for good almost two years. Wow. Until work picked up. That's cool. Hey, Jeff. This is Kyle. So I've been a fan of your work, I guess you could say, for a while now. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about insect weights. So let's start with just kind of like 
how you got started in insect weight building. What was your first insect weight bot? So my first insect weight robot was years ago. Was a little pot bot. It was just like a strainer that was upside down on like an RC car. And I thought that was like the best thing ever. And I was like 16 at the time. Not much progressed from there until about 2018. And that's when uh, Wumbo happened. Wumbo was actually my first robot. And that was built in seven days before the event happened. <laughs> Um, all right, so tell us tell us the story of Wumbo. And if you don't mind, since this is an audio format, can you describe Wumbo for our listeners? So Wumbo is basically huge but sideways, for a good example. It's imagine tiny huge, then you take something like what's a good nutter insect, but uh which you which use heavyweights to describe. So take huge and give it like the blade of tombstone. So like slap the big wheels of Tombstone on huge and it would be basically Wumbo. <laughs> um, and where did this idea come from? So I originally created this plastic ant that was called Fidget Stone, which was a one pound Tombstone clone with a fidget spinner as a weapon. It was a giant, like it wasn't a normal size fidget spinner. Like it had one inch bearings in it. It was kind of silly. And I had these spare printer wheels or printer spools and I glued it to the wheels. And that was basically how Wumbo started. <laughs> now I've had uh, the pleasure of seeing Wumbo fight in a couple of places. Um, I think any arena that has a plywood floor hates that robot just because of the amount of, well, damage you dish out with it. Uh, have you been given uh, instructions not to bring Wumbo to certain events, or has everybody been pretty much okay with the fact that they're going to invite you, there will be shenanigans, and there will be uh, sawdust all over their floor? I haven't encountered too many wood arenas with Wumbo. I think I've been to four events with a um, wood floor, and that would be Texas Cup, Franklin Institute, Motorama, and I think that was the only, like, there's not that many wood floors on the West Coast. That must be nice. We have a few oh, of those over here. Oh, the fourth one would have been Utah. Utah has a, a really small community that's just starting up, and their arena is actually really impressive for a new club. And so you built Wombo over the course of seven days, basically having not built a combat robot since you were 16? Basically, yeah. <laughs> I was doing combat, or not combat, I was doing uh, drone racing, so I was very familiar with programming ESCs and everything for that, just throwing it all together and doing something. Um, now, your other kind of well-known entry into competitions as of late has been Off-Track. I remember you describing that as your try-hard robot. Can you tell us a little bit about Off-Track for our listeners and uh, you know what the de design philosophy was behind that? So Off-Track originally started as a Weta clone that was going to be called Tide Pod. Okay. <laughs> that was back when, you know, everyone was eating Tide Pods, and that that was a big old thing that happened in the <laughs> pre-pandemic world. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> so um, it started as that. I took the Weta drum off of that, and I was going to build, like, a four-wheel drive, something with it, and it, ne it never went to flourishing. Then... It's, I remember seeing, uh, is it Charles that built the wedge drum flipper thing? It was like a triangle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. 
Oh, so I was going to do that, but it was going to be tracked. So I can have the wheels be all the way around. Then it flattened more and more. Eventually turned into a four-wheel drive with tracks around around it. It was very all 3D printed at first. It was a prototype at ART, the Arizona event in 2019. Then from there on out, it's just been getting more and more perfected as it goes through. I think this is a good time to kind of tell us or to get into like, what is your design philosophy or design process when it comes to your um, insect weight class and, and now into your other classes? What, what kind of fuels those? What's the first thing you think of and what do you start with? A lot of it I do is I take my components and kind of lay them out and get the general idea. Then the rest is like, oh, this isn't going to work or this might actually work. It's a weird mix because I do so many bots. There's some that just like, oh, hey, you should build a robot based on this. So I start like theming it out. Like someone made the joke saying, oh, you should build Naughty Lizard, like with, which was a recolored saw blaze. I was like, oh, I can do that as an ant weight. Then, you know, I've made the weapon look like a certain logo and all that. Can you tell us a little bit more about Vegas Combat Robotics? Uh, when did you build the VCR box and, uh, when did you start organizing events, which by the way is mind blowing to me. You, you essentially have really only been doing this since 2018 and you're now running an event. So, so tell us about that. So I'd say VCR mostly started in 2018. Me and some of the RC racers that had a common interest in combat bots wanted to start it up especially with some of the drone people that were also interested. They never got too interested, but I at least made the Facebook page and created the groundworks for VCR. That turned into me meeting Robert Sten. We started with building his first fairy weight robot, which was Tink. Tink's first event was at Arizona, that same event that Off Track happened. So this was very recent in time. Then around the time that Vegas had that re-Mars event that BattleBots was doing, I was lurking on social media looking for people in my area that were interested in combat robots. One of those people ended up being Shay. And Shay's been doing so many great things for our community out here. She creates so many fun robots in the same spirit that the rest of us do. Her main robot right now is Cookie. I was at Necrosis last week. And it's like a full body bristle spinner. It's just it's silly. But we ended up making our arena in late 2019 and doing our first event at a local bar called Millennium Fandom. And that event was Sin City Shakedown. It was decent turnout. There was about eight builders. We had about 10 robots. And the crowd was louder than the robots. It was crazy you think the kids get excited if you get a bunch of drunk adults around a polycarbonate box it's awesome that makes sense actually uh so things that we need at more robot combat events booze yes I, uh, that, that reminds me of a story for our later time of a um of drunk fairies at steam fest drunk fairy weight robots yes <laughs> yeah it was I think it was me, David Small, and actually another big um, Team Jackpot member, Chris Hadia. And we, we all had fairy weights, and there was nothing going on that day because it was day two of a one-day event. 
and the arena was still up. So we're like, okay, every match you win, you have to take a shot, and eventually it levels out the playing field. <laughs> uh, that sounds ridiculous. Uh, in, in Austin Vegas fashion, there's fireworks outside my window. Right there now, that's what that sound is. Yeah, that's, that's what cool. that sound is. Someone blowing up fireworks. For you, what makes an effective insect weight design? Like, could we design a robot right now? It depends on the end goal. Like, right now, it the meta is always shifting is the issue. Before, it was the two-wheel drive drum spinner meta. Then everyone was running, like, really aggressive wedgelets. Then everyone was running stuff like Lynx. But now, I think this the four-wheel drive vert is on its way out. I was really impressed with Droopy and all the other bots that are taking advantage of the weight bonuses. With the power that we have now, we can come up with some crazy robots that just move off a gyro procession, and there's nothing you can really do to them. Yeah, I haven't seen any videos of Droopy yet. I've just seen some pictures. It's a very interesting bot. Uh, Droopy is glorious. Droopy was actually able to de-wheel Wumbo at at a um, necrosis. Like, he got one wheel, then the other wheel, then I had no wheels on Wumbo. That's, I mean, Wumbo's known for being a very durable little bot, so that's pretty yeah. impressive. Yes, it lost both the wheels, it landed on its face, and apparently the weapon was unbalanced just enough that it was able to bristle around. So it turned into two bristle bots, basically. That's awesome. Um, all right, so we've got a few hundred people listening right now. What advice would you give them as far as just jumping into the sport with both feet like you did? It's 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 a different because I had a lot of CAD experience, but even like without having any type of CAD. There should be no reason why you can't just slap some motors into a chassis and just show up. Like Surrenderbot is a great example of that. It was just four wheels and a cardboard box, and it went like sixth place at Necrosis. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, all right, let's get into Jackpot. So can you describe Jackpot for our listeners? Jackpot is a four-wheel drive, double vertical drisk that is all brushless and is about the it's about two foot by two foot, if I recall correctly, with a blade that is 22 inches tall. Jeez. All right, so technical specifications. Uh, you said everything is brushless? Yes. So... The jackpot runs on eight brushless motors. Four of them are dedicated just to the weapon, and four of them are dedicated just to the drive, and every single one of the motors are identical for easy swaps. Wow. Okay. Tell me about the size of the weapon. Uh, the weapon is about 60 pounds. It was actually the lightest version of the weapon. We just didn't have time in you know three to four weeks of build time we actually had to get one inch weapon turned around so we went with a half inch thick double diamond weapon which was only about 60 pounds altogether. wow um so that's why you went with the two thinner discs instead of the one big chonky disc oh uh, yeah the so we had three weapon designs we had 
the double diamonds, which you'll see this season. We had the roulette wheel, which was a giant disc kind of. Imagine like two of the disc from like Drizzle, just bigger. Gotcha, gotcha. Then the other one was the Heartbreaker, which was that big old asymmetric one-inch stick blade. Interesting. Why so big with the weapon? Well, like I was saying before with insects, how the meta is always shifting. I believe the meta in heavyweights right now is shifting to whoever has the most reach. Like you can have all the armor and weapon in the world, but if you can't reach them before they can reach you, it's useless. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a whole lot of sense. Um, speaking of which, what kind of armor are you running on this guy? Uh, the entirety of Jackpot is consisted of AR-500 at a slot and tab together. Nice. And what uh, what kind of speeds are you getting from your drive system? Uh, Jackpot can do about 16 miles an hour. That's respectable. That's great. Um, all right, so... First fan question from Mad Catter team member and guy who recently broke your bot, Calvin Eba, who asks, uh, was building a heavyweight harder or easier than you expected? As far as time-wise, it was a lot more than I thought it was going to be. But as far as like the general main construction, it felt like working on a... It felt more like working on a featherweight. Like when I first built Sloth, it felt more like that than building a beetle weight. Interesting. A lot um, more calculations had to be done with a heavyweight than it would have had in like a beetle. All right. So what about, this is a follow-up question from Calvin. Uh, do you draw your designs before you CAD or do you just jump straight into CAD? I do all my brainstorming in CAD. Interesting. And you've been doing CAD for a long time. I, I started with like with a um, like straight up Autodesk two D with a um, in high school. Yep. And this this kind of stayed as stayed as a hobby. I'd love to make a career out of it, but it's so hard. It's such a saturated market now. All right. So next question from Devin Huey, and that this has definitely a question that I have as well. Um, I have trouble figuring out how the bot is supposed to move with a vertical spinner that big. So, yeah, tell us about driving this thing. <laughs> how does that work? So, a lot of the weight is mostly focused on the front two wheels because of the massive weapon hanging over it. And if you look at the CAD and actual the recently released pictures of jackpot you can see that the weapon hangs out further than the front wheels so it loves to pivot on those front wheels it tends to over rotate because you get that pendulum effect that makes sense but as far as general driving it's pretty decent i'd say it's a mid-tier robot as far as driving we did some tweaks to it during the event with the gear ratios and stuff and we found an awesome sweet spot but Come next year, I'd say we are going to have a more robust dialed-and-drive system for it. I mean, that's uh, half the fun of BattleBots, right, is you're figuring out what you're going to do for next year, the entire competition. Um, right, you're, 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 yeah, you're brainstorming ideas before you even make it back to your home <laughs> BattleBots. <laughs> of course. 
Uh, so we have a related question from Deep Six Captain Dustin Eswine. Um, why is the weapon so small? <laughs> Dustin, you're the one to help me build it. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually another interesting fact. Is Jackpot had so many hands in the kitchen when it came to building this bot. I'd say, I can't, I, sorry if I forgot who L helped out, but the ones I can think off of my hand is Don from Huge, Dustin from Deep Six, Bunny from Malice, Isaac from Malice. Um, Don, or not, I already mentioned Don, Alex Horn, and I know there's more, but thanks everyone that helped out. That's great. So you got all these people to come out to Vegas to help you put this thing together? Oh, no, no, no. This was all via this. We have a Discord gaming channel that we like to do stuff with. Then uh. we all. So that's where we troubleshoot, do ideas and stuff. It, it was pretty intuitive. I think another person that helped out was Jack Barker from Endgame. So, so many, so many. Oh, and Gus from Nelly helped out. That's awesome. So you basically were like, hey, I'm doing this really crazy thing. I'm building a heavy in three weeks. Uh, I need the brain trust. <laughs> and all these so, people jumped in to help. Uh, jackpot mostly happened because of the peer pressure from Dustin. Dustin's like, do it. Do it. Do it. I don't know. Just do it. Then it, <laughs> that happened. And it all happened over the course of like an impulse. Like it was, we were moving the arena from Shay's house to Robert's house because we ran a 4th of July event that was kind of like an invite only with just our friends and we kind of kept it all COVID compliant and all that because you know we all wanted to test our robots we haven't fought in like months at that point so we set it up at her house about a week later we moved it from her house back to Robert's house and we're sitting there just talking they're like let's do this let's actually do this heavyweight then I messaged Bunny that night, and Bunny did all the helped us with marketing and stuff, getting us ready to talk to Greg. And like forty-eight hours later from that first conversation with Shay and Robert, we were working on the CAD, and we were already accepted. Wow! Whew. All right, so let's get a little bit more into the technical specs. Uh, James B wants to know: Is your shaft dead? Um, and all, do you use it to brace the top frame, or are the uprights free to flex? I loved the live feed, by the way. It was awesome to see the bot being born in real time. I agree with that. It was a lot of fun to see you guys building that bot in real time. Uh, we, we enjoy doing so many live streams. We, we, even, we had one the other day because we got so many messages from local people that want to know how to build bots. So we threw together the live stream. And I think the next local event we should have – probably double or even triple the local builders that we normally have just from exposure. But to answer his question, the shaft is a dead shaft. It runs, it's actually two shafts in that thing. So there's an outer two inch sleeve that has a inch and a half hole in it that goes into the main frame rails. Then those end caps bolt onto it. So the frame can't flex inwards. Then a, singular one and a half inch bolt goes through the whole thing and caps that way so it can't go outwards. So that entire frame structure is braced from going inwards and outwards. 
Interesting. So it's pretty robust. Yes, it is very robust. That's fantastic. All right, that's a really good explanation. All right, so Bloodsport team member Seth Schaefer asks, was Jackpot designed to be a weapon-first one-hit killer bot, or do you, do you expect it to be reliable and durable? Also, Shay is the best. Thanks for the last-minute vinyl decals for Bloodsport. Shay did so much work for other teams at BattleBots. As That's far as... Uh, we, we're a first-year team. Like, we're, we're, you know, the stereotype is we're supposed to be like the ones asking everyone for you know, help and advice and all that. We're... We barely work on Jackpot. We were mostly helping out other teams doing all sorts of, you know, programming and vinyl work and glittering. <laughs> a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of glittering. So with Jackpot, it was supposed to be one of those things where, like, you know, in a video game where you're like, this one's mostly focused on damage. This one's mostly, like, dry. This one's mostly armor. We were like trying to mid max as much as we can right into the center of that. And it's the reason the results are going to show it. It's a beautiful, the like it utilizes great armor, utilizes great weapon, and it utilizes a really great drive. Like, I don't think there's a failure point on Jackpot as far as a weakness. I like that energy. That makes me happy. All right, so Pain Train, another rookie bot team member, Anthony D'Ambrosia asks, um, in a very vertical kinetic weapon heavy field of competitors, what makes your weapon stand out from the crowd? P.S. Thanks for the poker chips. Evan and them were so great. We were pitted right next to them that whole event. Pain Train, they're, 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 they're so an, such an awesome team, and uh, I really appreciate that shout-out that they gave us last week. But as Jackpot's weapon, I think, stood out because it was, I believe it was the largest vertical spinner in the field this season. Wow. Uh, don't, um, I, I think Uppercut might have been slightly bigger, but if you see Uppercut, Uppercut's mostly just two wheels and a weapon. We're still balancing that with a whole four-wheel drive platform and everything. Um, and were you just handing out poker chips? Was that your version of like team stickers this year? Oh, we had so much swag this year. It was crazy. We had diff we had like three or four different stickers. We had a bunch of VCR stickers. We had poker chips. Shay was handing out these little gold bags. So it had like a bunch of different swag in it. It had like poker poker chips in it. Well, it had one one of our VCR poker chips in it. It had chocolate coins in it for like money and a bunch of other little cool things. Is this basically because you came off of Team Malice and you were like, well, obviously I need to up my swag game? That is that is a big part of it. <laughs> Shay is basically our bunny. Like the energy levels that they both give off is just like chaotic. Like oh. I, it, they're, they're both when they're both in the same room together, it's just nuts. That's awesome. Um, all right, so I got a question from Victor Dyson who asks, uh, Jeff, when is Off-Track going to become Jackpot's minibot? This is a fair question. When is Off-Track going to become a 250 is a better question. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually what uh, Jackpot originally started as. It was going to be a trapped vertical spinner, and it was going to be called Off-Track. So we were going to carry the name up to a 250, but... With 
we're, we we thought about it, and the more we discussed, we're like, let's say, um, let's really lean into the Vegas scene because there's there hasn't been a team out of Vegas in a long time. I think the last team to be out of Vegas was Sharko back in like the Robotica days. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, it is uh it is a really cool theme and the glitter is just too much fun. I mean, you got to love it. You got to love implanting glitter in your opponents and in the box whenever you make hits. <laughs> I'm right. sure. Uh, I think our like every year someone creates a rule. Like, you know, like um we had Ribot with the foam. So, you know, they had the whole no more foam. Then we had Dustin with the absurdly large weapon, which is like, okay, <laughs> now we need to cut the weapon weight down to 80 pounds. So I think this year, I think our goal was to no more glitter. Uh, yeah, that last season, especially, there were some, there were definitely some rule creating robots. So that's good to know. That's a good little preview right there. <laughs> I think that's the best way to establish yourself in any sport is to do something so stupid that they create a rule. <laughs> that's a great team aesthetic right there. Um, all right. So uh, we've got a question from your team member, Chris, um, who asks, when are you going to finish your beetle? But the, that's actually a perfect question for right now because I don't have a beetle right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the one few times that I don't have a fun, fully functional robot. <laughs> I would say the new version of um, Off Track might be done by the end of the month. It's I'm it's normally goes a lot quicker, but I'm talking with Alex Horn and I'm doing some really complex machine cheating parts i'm no longer going to be using the off-the-shelf weta drum for my weapon and all the uh and w parts are going to be all machined in like 2.5 to 3 axis machining it's going to be it's not going to be tracked links but it's going to look pretty dang close that's awesome that's really cool and also wombo 2 is on the way Yes, of course. I, I'm very excited about Wombo. Wombo 2 is going to be a hub motor, so it's going to not shoot its belts like it always does. What? That's going to be awesome. All right, so um, Alexander Archer asks, how does it feel being able to compete on BattleBots despite the pandemic? So this was like your first time at the competition. Um, you know, you get to have the BattleBots experience, but it is different than anybody's BattleBots experience at any time. Uh, so tell us about that. What was it like to go there as a first-time competitor in, in kind of COVID protocol land? See, I, I don't really have a metric to base on pre-COVID bots versus post-COVID bots. But as far as like everything goes, uh, this year was actually one of the nicer years to be at BattleBots. Everyone's pit spaces were massive, which was awesome. Normally, they give you like one table and like a 10 by 10 space. They're like, oh, here you go. This year it was like a 10 by 20 space and there was like 20 feet between every pit table. Like you can see how ruby it is and some of the like, the shots and stuff were, were passed out in the air mattress and all that. It That was actually one of the best things to have with that air mattress. Then all the, all the pits had TVs and stuff so we can watch the matches without leaving our pit area. So you can be working on the robot and like, oh, hey – 
redacted versus redacted is up on the screen. So we'd stop what we're doing and go watch it, then go back to working on the robot. Rumor has it that redacted versus redacted fight was amazing. It's going to be very controversial. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so Pain Train Captain and your, I guess, pit mate, Evan Arias, asks, uh, what are some new or old bots that you would love a chance to go against? Also, love you guys. Seems like you guys had some pit love in there. That's a, that's a really good <laughs> back and forth between oh, the two of you. Uh, like, we had so many... We, I don't think there's a single person at that event that could say a bad thing about us. We were, everyone was great with us and we, we returned a favor. We're, we weren't one of those like, Oh, Hey, we need to borrow this and not bring it back type deal. It was, we're one of those, Hey, we're, we're also here to help out each other and have fun and do robot things. I, I would love to go get bite force one of these days. Like if we can have that happen next year, that would be awesome. That was one of the big inspirations for that. Uh, as far as old robots, it's that I'm, I'm trying to think of ones that are still around that are like legendary. Um, that would probably be Megabyte. I'd love to go get Shred Raider. Like, that energy level is so great. Uh, there's so many legends like Ghost Raptor, Lockjaw, and all the like, any one of those would be awesome. But there's new robots. I want to go get huge. Huge versus me would be great because we can hit them. Hey Jeff, this is Chris. I got another. I got some another uh, smattering of questions from other builders and listeners. Uh, the first of which is from lucky team member Andrew Burgraff, who asks, "What would be your betting odds? B versus Bite Force, and who would you bet on?" Who versus Bite Force? Us against Bite Force or Lucky against Bite Force is what you're saying. No, yeah, you you versus Bite Force. Uh, it's, that would be a weird one because we have the reach on them, so we'd be able to hit his belts. But Bite Force is such a tank. It's, it's one of those. Let's just say it's a crapshoot. Fair enough. Uh, being from Vegas, I'm I'm sure that that's a reasonable answer. Um, Bale Spear yeah. Captain Earl Pancos the Third asks, "How much glitter is too much?" There is no such thing. Well, being from Vegas, I'm sure that's also a reasonable answer. <laughs> yes, uh, there's so much stuff I'd love to do that Vegas seemed that this, it wouldn't fly on Discovery because friend family friendly. <laughs> I have uh, another question here from Pain Train team member Anthony D'Ambrosio, who asks, "Name three beards better than Jeff." Go ahead, I'll wait. Well, one's obviously got to be Robert Cowan. He's got the beard. I would say Ed Robinson has a has a decent beard. I'm trying to think of other beards. I don't know. Usually, look at other beards. The correct answer is three Farouks. Three Farouks. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Farouk does have a, a lovely beard. His beard this year is like so like I want to I want to touch it. Did, did we flag this next question behind the bots crew? 
<laughs> oh, is, is, is this is this is this a uh, Alex Horde? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna ask it, but this is this might have so, to be all bleeped this, out. Huge so, team for Alex Horn wants to know what is Jeff's meth usage. <laughs> okay, so the, the the running joke is every time I like we're we're in a group chat together, and every time I like type math, it goes to meth. So like I need to. So a lot of times it turns into I need to do figure out the math for this so I can get it done quick. It usually turns into oh, I need to figure out the meth for this. And big how quickly my robots turn around combined with my lack of sleep when I wasn't working was very suspicious. <laughs> well, you are from Las Vegas, so that is a reasonable answer. <laughs> All right, I have a question here from Gareth Jones who asks, can Jackpot beat everything in a local casino? I think Jackpot has a fair chance against a roulette table or a slot machine. What about uh, what about a uh, roulette wheel? Mm. You know, spinners, they're dangerous. Yeah, spinners are dangerous. I'd love to uh, get a video of Jackpot, like destroying a slot machine or something. It's just so expensive. Well, How about a uh, Las Vegas buffet line? We haven't had buffets here in so now, long. I am a robot that. that is designed to destroy a, a Vegas buffet, and I've been removed from several of them. I think a um, uh, that that that'd be a good a um, a good fight. See who could a um, destroy a buffet a Vegas buffet faster, me or Jackpot? <laughs> do you do you have any do you have any buffet recommendations? Because I, I feel like I travel to Vegas like fairly regularly, or I guess I did in the before times, and I'm always on the lookout for a good buffet. Uh, the Wicked Spoon is a really like if you, if you want to do a high end buffet. Yeah, always. So the Wicked Spoon's really good. Um, I'm not sure if it's still how good this one still is in the post pandemic, but um, the Rio has a really good seafood buffet. Okay. Huh. Uh, their their World Buffet is actually pretty good too. Uh, Bellagio has a really good buffet as well. I had a friend who bought the uh, the Vegas like buffet pass, and it's like good for forty eight hours or whatever. And if you time it just right, you know you can uh, start with a lunch and tack on an extra dinner like at the end of the weekend. And oh um, yeah, yeah, the buffet of buffets is what it's called. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, for forty eight hours, all he did was eat at buffets, and he he was like buffeted out by the time that we were we were out of there. Uh, but uh, check it out; it's great deal. Yes, I've, I've seen that. What I'm, what I'm upset about is like every time I travel to an event, things are closed. And I was like, things don't close. Things aren't designed to close ever. We have no last call in Vegas. Now, a lot of you don't know, but I wrote a 300-page uh, book uh, that of the 192 rules of buffet etiquette. <laughs> All right, share with us a couple. Uh, all right, give me a number. Um, rule 47. Nazis, don't fill up on soda. <laughs> <laughs> always go. Rule, I'd say rule 27 is always go for the crab legs. You got to get there early. Rule 26 is you got to get there early for the crab legs. <laughs> right, crab, the crab legs, like snow crab and prime rib are like the reason to go to buffets. 
I just heard from the the kitchen. My my fiance Lindsay, she likes the crab rangoon. That's Chinese food buffet. Mm. All right. There's a, there's a bunch of those out here too, but it's just every buffet is closed. Yeah, that's very sad. That's that's probably the saddest thing about COVID. You know, mm-hmm. that's the number one uh, thing that I miss. You yeah. Think we can, like, figure out a way to give everyone a bubble suit. Well, um, did you see that a um, what oh, what's it called? Fares or Fazes, the the boater pill company. There's a um, has a ninety percent um, confirmed vaccine now. Right, right. Pfizer, so, yeah. Pfizer. Yes, I couldn't remember the name. I was like, oh yeah, they make those pills. Yeah, I've I've heard though that like after you after you take the vaccine, if immunity lasts longer than four hours, you should consult a doctor. <laughs> All right, I'm here from Scorpio's co-captain Diana Tarlson, who asks, if jackpot hit the jackpot, what would the jackpot be of jackpots? Huh. That's a that's a lot of jackpot. Like it's if a jackpot would jack jackpot if jackpot would jack wood. I don't know how many. I'm just going to go with the meme answer and say sixty nine four twenty. I when when I when I saw this question, I was thinking to myself, you know, if you were to win a jackpot at a casino, what would you put into your bot that is just like not economically feasible now? But if you had like literally unlimited funds, you know, how how would you build a, a heavyweight differently? I don't. I don't like as far as like the way jackpot's built now. It's, it's so economically built. I'm like the only other thing I would think we would make more robust is probably our. A, we- a weapon system that's a little bit more like not ghetto <laughs> like it's straight up our t- two rear motors are chained to our front two motors and those two front motors have a aluminum sleeve over the outrunner cans that's epoxied to it then the belts that run to the weapons run on that epoxied aluminum can Huh. And uh, that's something that you'd be able to fix with money. Is that right? Uh, yeah, we just have a, a properly machined part. There, if we had jack, um, like, if we had like a um, money to do something crazy, like unlimited budget, there'd be so much more machining in that instead of just laser cut materials. But Senkut Sand actually came in really clutch. Hmm. But our frames so we didn't really have to do any machining we just kind of like slotted it together and welded it it's pretty awesome you could take your 2021 budget for a bot and just put it all on red 23 yeah which would mean that you would have a lot more money for 2021 Mm -hmm. the irony the ironic thing is i'm a vegas person i don't gamble like it, I know it's like a stereotype that we shall be gambling and be like expert poker hands and know all the rules and how to count cards. Like, no, we, um, I think as far as the most complex gambling I do is putting 20 bucks into the slot machine when I go to see the movies. 
They have slot machines at the movie theaters? They have movie theaters at the casinos. Oh, I see. So all the big casinos here have like these awesome like 20 plus room movie theaters. So like there's no standalone movie theaters in Vegas like you would see somewhere else. They're always attached to a casino or a hotel or something like that. You know what they should put in casinos? Dry cleaners, right? So if you lose big, at least that they could do is offer you uh, complimentary dry cleaning. So uh, you know that way uh, when when you when you lose and you have to go home and report on uh, on your losses, you could say they really took me to the cleaners. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon my French, Captain and fellow meme maker Philip Boyer asks. Who makes the best robot combat meme in the community? That's there's so many good, like ah, floor posting exploded so much. There's so much good new content coming from all the different meme groups now. I know I, I can't narrow it down to one one person, but I can narrow it down to five, and that would be. Jonathan Clark, he's been putting out some really good Billy content. Um, Gus, Gus is always great. Uh, David Small is really good. Fleep himself. I, I can't say me because that's bias, but Cowan's been putting out some funny stuff too. So I have a question from a battle bot named Malice. Will all your team members hereby be called Jeff now? Oh, that's a um, that must be Bunny asking that question. So yeah, that's the running joke. Cause I left Mal, I left Malice because I didn't want to legally change my name to David. So I had to go create my own team. That's that's also why Isaac was on Dill. <laughs> but no. Right. So. Well, and finally, we want to close out this interview with a series of deeply philosophical questions. From BattleBot superfan and honorary Sporkinock team member, Mary Catherine Carr. Jeff, are you a time traveler or a manipulator of time or some kind of metal plastic manipulator like Magneto? It has to be one based on how quickly Jackpot came together. I've got my eye on you. <laughs> Can you describe yourself and your teammates as various gambling devices? Uh, slots, poker, blackjack, roulette, etc. I, I can use poker terms to describe everyone. Like Shay, Shay's definitely a wild card. Robert would be a jack because he's a jack of all trades. And a, um, I'd say uh, Chris would be an ace because he came in clutch with all his a um, programming that he did for us on Jackpot. And how about yourself? I, I'd probably have to be the Joker. <laughs> you know, it's it's just, it's just crazy. It's something that you don't expect to get. Actually, no. I would be the I'd be the the card that comes with a brand new deck that shows how, the rules of how to play. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, do you have a, a favorite moment from the pits that you want to share? Oh, there, there's so many great moments. There's um, there's the legacy of the Bean Pod. But that was a. That was I saw photos of this. Um, so you guys found these bean pods, and they fall from trees in California, 
and you can shake them like uh, like little percussion instruments. Is that correct? Uh, we did we didn't shake them like that. Like I don't think you can shake them like that. But there was bean pods. They did come from trees, and they were everywhere. I think at one point one of the hotel rooms had like thirty bean pods in it. <laughs> so wait, what what would you do with these bean pods exactly? <laughs> hit each other, throw them at each other. Uh, look, it, one was the talking stick. So like, it, no, it's the talking bean. So if you were telling the story, you had to have the talking bean. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shenanigan. I th I'd say the other one is the air mattress. There we had an an awesome air mattress that all the teams were like trying to steal from us and use it for themselves. And where everyone was taking naps and stuff. I think there's some video that will happen of like me sleeping in the pits and there's a bunch of other stuff. It's that uh, us hitting the test box like three or four times. Then there's, there, there's so much great stuff at BattleBots. It's, it's an experience for sure. Another question for Mary. How many memes did Gus charge for his help with Jackpot? Mm. I'm going to have to go with the meme answer of 420 memes. Fair enough. And finally, what three symbols would one have to match to hit Jackpot's Jackpot? I would say it would be a, a V, a C, and an R. Nice. Well, all right, Jeff, we really uh, we appreciate you taking your time out of your day to, to to talk with us. We're really looking forward to seeing Jackpot in in, in the Battle Box in December. Uh, it, it should be a great time. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to being able to talk about all the awesome things that happened. Thanks, Jeff. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for robots around the world. Today we are traveling to the exotic location of Florida, where Florida man has invented a robot that inserts and takes out contact lenses for you. The so-called contact lens insertion and removal apparatus uses suction cups to put contact lenses in and take them out. <clears throat> the device is undergoing clinical trials and uh, miraculously could be in the market as soon as next year. Uh, so if you are, you know, uh, willing uh, to let Florida man use a robot to, you know, mess with your eyeballs, this could be for you. Florida man's original design, uh, what it actually did was suction cup to your eyeball to remove it so that you could place the uh, the lens on the eye directly and then pop it back in. <laughs> uh, you know, I I have enough trouble using my own uh, you know, hands to put in contact lenses. I cannot imagine trusting a robot with doing it for me with suction cups. You know, Luke, I did not know you you wore contacts. What, Chris? How many years have you known me? Wait, I did. I didn't either. Lindsay didn't oh, know. My, okay, wait. I'm not kidding. If I lost a contact lens, I would be literally blind. All right. Like, uh, there was one time where like uh, a contact lens popped out while I was driving. It was at night, and I had to like find a house, and I literally had to stop the car and like stand next to like 
the the street like uh sign to like read it i'm not kidding i am so so incredibly blind well couldn't you have just closed one eye no, 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 no. Oh my God. No, no. Uh, cause if you can see, okay, listen, I have like, like super high strength ones. If you just have one in, all right, you start to get a headache. It's like, it's, it's pretty wild. I popped out the other one cause it'd be safer than just driving with one. You know, I bet you wish you had contact lens insertion and removal apparatus. Um, I remember when I, when I first got contact lenses in high school, um, I went into the optometrist and, um, she showed me how to put in contact lenses and it was the weirdest and most uncomfortable thing for like a week. And, uh, now it's totally second nature, but, um, I think that this device is, is for people who, um, want to wear contact lenses or they have to co wear contact lenses medically, but for some reason, you know, um, they they're prevented from doing so, you know, um, in this, this inventor's case in particular, he was saying, you know, he was worried that as he was getting older, his hands were shaking and, um, you know, like kind of using a robot to, uh, to put it in, uh, put, put these contact lenses in and, and take them out, um, is kind of like a, a medical necessity for him. Um, but pretty interesting suction, suction, suction cups, you know, and, um, like this very gentle, very slow kind of robot helping people out, which I think is kind of, awesome and and what robots are designed for these eyesight stories just keep getting cornea and cornea <laughs> <laughs> oh perfect well that's about it for us today we'll be back in your feed next wednesday with another mystery guest we'll see you then folks <laughs> <laughs> bye, bye.